I wonder if you've ever had that feeling of something looming, something big in the diary, something coming down the road that you just can't avoid. Maybe it was an exam. Uh, maybe it's a conversation that you had to have with somebody. Uh, maybe it's a deadline with work or a big project. I don't know, you know what those kind of things are. Um, one of my old bosses used to call them the elephants in the diary, things that you just can't avoid. I don't know if you know that feeling where you wake up in the morning and, um, and you just feel bliss for a few seconds, you've forgotten about everything, and then it comes crashing down, flooding back into your memory. Um, you've got that exam, you've got that project, you've got to have that conversation. Well, maybe isolation, all of this stuff with coronavirus has taken that away um, for a while. Maybe you don't have to do any exams anymore and you're feeling pretty relieved about that. But I wonder if for many of us, this time, apart from other people, this time of isolation has brought a lot more of that kind of thing into our lives. Maybe you're worrying about finances and that's something you just can't shake off. Maybe you're worrying about family. Maybe you're worrying about health. I don't know what it is, but, but I imagine common to all of us, probably most, especially right now, but, but perhaps in all of life anyway, one of those big worries, those things that we just can't seem to escape from is death. Isaiah said that in the passage that uh, we had read earlier on. Um, do you remember what he called it? He called it this, this shroud that enfolds all people, this sheet that covers all nations, like a weighty, heavy, woven blanket that kind of sits on top of you. That was Isaiah writing two and a half thousand years ago from where we sit today. And we still feel it, don't we? With all of our technology, all of our medicine, whatever, we still can't seem to escape it. I wonder if, um, if you felt that at the moment. It's pretty much inescapable, isn't it? With when we're left to our own thoughts, um, when we have the news on and there's constant reports of death tolls here and of grief there, I wonder if you feel that fear settling on your shoulders like a weight, or if you feel regret, maybe as you think of the past and in the light of, of our own deaths that will come at some point, we feel regret about the past. We feel frustration and anxiety in the present. And we feel robbed of the future, of all those plans that we made for holidays in the summer, for visiting family here or there, for a future, for a career, for family, whatever it was. It seems like death weighs upon us and ruins every part of life, past, present, and future. Maybe you feel that fear, that regret. Maybe you feel like, what's the point of any of it in the light of death that's coming down the path? Well, then we read Paul's last verse of that reading from 1 Corinthians 15 and um, read things like this. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor is not in vain. He says, stand firm, be unmoved, work um, hard. And you can be confident that the work that you do isn't in vain. And we might say, how do we do that with this weight settling on us, with fear that seems to grip our hearts, with that jelly in the legs? How on earth do I ever get to a point of standing firm, of knowing that my life really has meaning and uh, that my work wasn't something I should regret? Um, well, Paul says the reason you can stand firm, the reason you should be unmoved if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, is because he is alive, because of the resurrection, because Jesus... God walking in flesh, died, was buried and rose again. I mean, he really was stone cold dead. They really did lay him in a cold stone tomb. Those women went and visited on a chilly 
dawn morning expecting to find a corpse. But what they found was an empty tomb, an open door. They found people proclaiming, angels proclaiming to them that Jesus was alive. What they found really was warmth coming back into the world. It was springtime in history. They found that Jesus was alive. And it wasn't long later until they actually met him face to face. And in our passage, you heard it right from the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15. It wasn't just the women who met him, but all of the apostles, all of Jesus' closest followers, and not even just the inner circle, but hundreds of other people at multiple different times met, saw, ate with, talked with, embraced, sat with, listened to, spent time with the living, risen, bodily, physical Jesus. That's the story of the resurrection. It's the explosive news that springtime has come into history, that warmth has flooded the tomb, that Jesus' heart started beating and it would never stop again. See, Jesus was resurrected, not just resuscitated, I mean resurrected into a kind of life where death just wasn't even a thing anymore. I mean, how is that good news for us? How does that make us stand firm? How does it help us be unmoved? How does that make us live lives that we don't need to regret? where all of our work has real meaning and significance? Well, okay, let's answer that question in a second. Maybe there's a bigger question, first of all, which is how can you believe something as crazy as that? I mean, could you even believe that it was true that somebody came back to life and not just resuscitated, but I mean, was raised to life never to die again? Well, there's really good reason um, to believe. If you want a a whole book of kind of evidence of of, uh, somebody working through the historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection. Why don't you go online or maybe grab a Christian friend and ask them to get you Lee Strobel, uh, his book called The Case for Easter, or he's got a thicker one called The Case for Christ that kind of deals with Jesus' whole life. But start off with that small one, The Case for Easter, and you'll find that the case for the resurrection is a really compelling one. There's a couple of pieces of evidence we should take note of here. Firstly, this letter that Paul's writing was written at the time when eyewitnesses were still around. Paul says right at the beginning that people have seen, people who saw Jesus are still around today. You could, if you were reading this letter, go and speak to them, look them in the eye and ask them if they really saw him. Another thing is that those people who, many of those people who saw Jesus died for claiming that he was really alive, that he was the king of the universe and that everybody should bow down and follow him. They died for that message and they died without getting rich, without getting particularly famous or significant. They died for that message Um, And I don't know, I know plenty of people who believe lies, who believe things that aren't quite true, but I don't know anybody who would die for something they knew was a lie. That's what these apostles, well, that's what you have to say these apostles were doing, that they went to their deaths as poor, um, persecuted men for something that they knew to be false. I mean, why would they even do that? There's really, really good evidence that Jesus actually did rise again. So how is that good news for us? Well, it's good news because of because of what he rose from. He rose from a death that took away our sin. Go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 15 if you've, if you've got it there. Paul says this, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. You see, the, the worst thing about death, Paul says, is not just that we're cut off from our loved ones or that it's painful or, or that it kind of seems to make life not worth living or any, any of those reasons that we find death hard. Paul says the worst thing about death is sin. Sin is this thing. Sin is our turning away from God. It's our betrayal of him. That means that we have to be apart from him. Paul says the real sting in death isn't just that your body dies, but that as you die, you are separated from God 
for eternity. There's this great chasm between us that can never be fixed if you die still holding on to sin. But then he says, thanks be to God, because he's given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what Paul is saying here is that, she, that Jesus rose from a death that dealt with that sin, that the sting of death has been pulled out, that its teeth have been pulled. So when it bites you, it just doesn't hurt as much as it used to, because sin has been taken away, because Jesus, just before he died, cried, it is finished, and swallowed up death in his own death, swallowed up and took all of our sin on his shoulders and took it away, washed it away, cleared it away. So it's gone. So if you're trusting in him, if you've given him all of your regrets, all of your dark shadows, all of that dark water that seems to kind of pour out and bubble up in our hearts, if you've taken that to him and given it to him, he's cleaned it away and said, it's finished, it's over, it's done. He's died with it. So the sting of death, has been pulled out. You can now come close to God so that for you as a Christian, as somebody who's trusting in Jesus, death is something that just leads you into his presence. It is still a little bit scary in the whole process of it and maybe the pain of it. It's painful for those that we leave behind, but for us, death is being welcomed into God's presence. Is Jesus opening his arms as you close your eyes in death and you'll open those eyes to see him opening his arms and wrapping them around you and wiping away every tear. See, for Christians, death is transformed by this resurrection. Death becomes sleep. Did you hear Paul talking about death like that? Those Christians who saw Jesus who'd fallen asleep? Uh, for us, that we won't all sleep, but we will all be changed. You see, death is transformed for Christians into sleep, into closing our eyes and then waking up again in the presence of Jesus immediately. But not just spiritually waking up. See, Paul says something else. He says that, that our perishable flesh is going to be clothed with something imperishable. That, I mean, change the picture from sleep and, and to gardening. Paul says that our bodies, when we die, are like seeds that get planted. And you know what happens to seeds. Maybe you've been doing that through this time of isolation. Sleeping a bit more, it's a good illustration for us, but maybe gardening a bit more too. Going out, planting seeds in, in the soil, maybe even forgetting where you put them. They're forgotten for a little bit, but then they spring up. That seed dies, it springs up a new life, beautiful color, warmth and, and life and fruit and nourishment comes from that death. Well, Paul says, Paul says, resurrection for the Christian means that, that we won't just sleep and spiritually wake up in Jesus' presence to kind of be spirits wafting about on clouds for eternity, but we'll actually wake up one day to be clothed with new bodies, to be clothed with resurrected glorified bodies that are new that can have tears wiped away by Jesus see that is what it means that he swallows up death forever that's what it means to pull this thing out it means for a Christian when you die you're resting with Jesus and one day you'll wake up I mean your body will wake up he'll clothe you with a fresh body with fresh life where death isn't even a thing anymore and you'll rest with Jesus and with all of those others who've trusted him in a new earth for eternity. That's why the resurrection is such amazing news. See, it transforms death. And because it transforms death, it transforms life as well. I don't know if you've heard that song, this old Christian song that goes, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, 
I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. You see, it's not just that our moment of death, our view of death is transformed, but that life itself is transformed, that fear is taken away. And so we really can stand firm. That pointlessness of life is taken away. So we really can spend these days working hard, being of much earthly use, because we're remembering that, that it is all going to come to something. God is going to renew and perfect and take all of our good works and make them part of his new creation. He's even going to take our bodies. You will be you. I'll be me. We'll embrace. We'll have tears wiped away. Death will be no more. And life with Jesus and with one another will be forever. It's good news, isn't it? You see, we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear the future. We can have all of those regrets of the past washed away. We can have Jesus walk into our present and help us with our anxiety and struggle. We can have him by his spirit give us strength to live for him. We can face the future because we know our saviour has passed this way before and that he will pull you through. And that that isn't just mere sentiment. No, that's really solid reality. Not sentimentality, solid reality. You can know that because Jesus rose from the dead. The sting of death is sin, but come on, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So I wonder if you can say this this morning. Surely this is our God who's done a wonderful thing like this. We trusted him and he saved us. Can you look around at the people in your household at the moment? Can you maybe in your mind's eye, if you're on your own, just look around at the Christians that you know and say this. Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. If you're a Christian, that's wonderful news, isn't it? Hallelujah. Praise him for the resurrection. Christ is risen. He really is. And he's coming back soon. If you're not a Christian, this is just wonderful news for you as well. You're still here. You're still breathing, living in God's world. Why not use the time that you have, whether it's a little, maybe it's a lot, mm -hmm. to study, to work it out, to push in, press in, study the evidence and see whether it's really true. Because wouldn't it be amazing to know steadfastness, to know security, to know that life is worth living, to know a God who made you, who loves you, who gave his son to die for you and who rose again to be your king, to be your friend, to be your brother and to take you even through death to life with himself forever. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Praise the Lord Jesus. We can praise him and say, as Paul says in those last couple of verses, thanks be to God, for he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.